begin tonight, I, I want to, and quite often we do kind of responses at the end of our message, but this one's going to have a little bit of responsiveness kind of woven in, and we're actually going to begin with something, a little bit of a meditation. Um, and so what I want you to, to do is, as we begin, is I want to invite you to just hold your hands out in front of you and have a look at your hands. Take a moment to study your hands. Be curious. Have a look at your hands. What do you see? It might, it might feel a little bit strange at first, but I encourage you to, to just lean into the weirdness and, and, and pay, pay attention to your hands. What do you see? Hopefully you see some lines because that's quite, you know, natural thing. Um, maybe you can see some wrinkles or scars. The tops of our hands are quite different from the underneath of our Is there changes in colour and pattern? Maybe you have some prickles. I have quite a few. Or moles. Now have a feel of the skin on your hands. <coughs> Smooth or rough? Then maybe trace the lines on your hands with one of those. Think about how it feels and where the line goes. As you continue to reflect on your, on your hands, I'm going to read you a short meditation. So. If you're not already, make yourself comfortable in your seat. You can keep your eyes open or close them, whatever you feel comfortable doing. And just allow your body to be still and listen for the words. And invite God's Spirit to speak in the students. We awaken in Christ's body as Christ awakens in our bodies. And my poor hand is Christ. He enters my foot and is infinitely me. I move my hand and wonderfully my hand becomes Christ, becomes all of him. For God is indivisibly whole, seamless in his Godhood. I move my foot and at once he appears like a flash of lightning. Do my words seem blasphemous? Then open your heart to him and let yourself receive the one who is opening to you so deeply. For if we genuinely love him, we wake up inside Christ's body. We are all our body, all over, every most hidden part of it is realised in him as as he makes us utterly real and everything that is hurt everything that seems to us harsh, shameful maimed, maimed ugly, irreparable damaged is in him transformed and recognised as whole as lovely, as radiant in his life. We awaken as the beloved in every last part of our body. Amen.
Now, those words of that meditation that I just read you are from St. Simeon, also known as the New Theologian, which I find quite amusing because um, Simeon was born in 949. Not at 949, but in the year 949. So first century, not, not, not altogether new, um, so, but, but this, is, this is the title that he went by, the new, new theologian. Um, and his words are an invitation to us to marvel at our bodies, created by God, with God's spirit, that Christ would make home in us and that we, as we make our home in him. Now in these last chapters of Ephesians, which um, as we walk through the book of Ephesians, we get to this last part where Paul paints this picture of life lived in surrender to God's call. And he uses this imagery of the human body. And the language is really tactile and physical, almost clinical. Head, heart, flesh, ligaments a working unit, interconnected and inseparable. The image of the church of the, of, as the body of Christ is one that for us is really familiar. We use it a lot, we, we talk about it every time that we receive communion. This is the body of Christ broken for you. So this language of the body is familiar to us, so familiar that I think we can brush over these words and forget how mysterious it is. Paul describes the church not as working parts of a machine, but as an organic, living, breathing thing. A body created and held together and sustained by Christ that within us. A body intended not to be a mere shadow, but a fully embodied reflection of Christ, offering itself for others. Paul encourages and begs the church at Ephesus to live a life worthy of the calling, to imitate God in everything that we do because we are his dear children, to live lives filled with love following the example of Christ. Now this phrase that Paul uses that we translate as live a life comes from a Greek word that means to walk in the way of. And um, walking in the way of was a common metaphor that was used, um, particularly in a, a, what was used in a, in a Jewish context originally, as a way of, of kind of creating metaphor for moral living, living in a way that was ethical and, um, and right towards other people. And it's often used in the Old and New Testaments, both in ways that are positive and negative. We can walk, walk in ways that are not great, and we can walk in ways that are walking, walking in the way of God. Psalm 1, for example, contrasts walking in God's way with walking in the way of sinners. And Psalm 119 describes God's word as a light that guides our feet onto the right paths. And Romans 8 talks about our new life in Christ as walking in the way of the Spirit. These are just a few examples of many examples in the Old New Testament where they talk about walking in the way. And this image of walking pictures faithful discipleship of following Jesus as something that is active and purposeful and that involves our whole self. 
We can't walk somewhere with only parts of ourselves. We have to take our whole body with us. I can't say to my hand, see ya. <laughs> the whole body has to go with us. We are called to be imitators and not imitations. Fully embodied reflections of Christ. We reflect not we reflect what we are and not we what we believe that we are or would like to be. We can't reflect something that we don't actually embody. We cannot offer to others what we don't reflect. Mature grown-up faith is determined not by our words or our ability to um, articulate or spell out how we, uh, what we believe, but by our capacity to embody what we profess, what we say we believe. A life worthy of the calling is a life that is transformed. We live in ways that are no longer driven by values and desires that don't reflect Christ. Becoming fully embodied reflection <coughs> begins with reflecting our gaze inwards. The first quality that Paul highlights which enables us to do this is humility. Now this word humility literally means loneliness of mind. And um, the idea of humility was something that really stood in opposition to the prevailing um, secular, secular culture of Paul's world. Humility was something that was associated with how one would expect a slave to act. And so it wasn't something that people generally saw as being a positive thing. Um, but within Jewish thought and within the New Testament writers, um, humility was consistently framed as being a virtue, um, but that wasn't a commonly accepted thing in that time. To be humble was to see yourself as you are, without arrogance or without self-aggrandizement. So, see yourself as being better than you, than you really are. Humility remains in the lens throughout Ephesians 4, as Paul works through some really practical guidelines for living a fully embodied body life. And he talks about things from as simple as, as dealing truthfully with other people, with letting go of anger, um, all kinds of things, um, seeking forgiveness, but all with this lens of humility, humble, honest reflection on our motivations and biases set to act for centre. If we want to be fully embodied reflections, we need to be willing to look at ourselves to see those scars and wrinkles, to see the sunspots and freckles, the almost imperceptible shifts in colour and hue, the fault lines running across the palms of our hands, to see ourselves both in our beauty and in our brokenness, and to ask ourselves hard questions and be willing to hear the answer. What motivates me? What do I value? What do I care about? What keeps me up at night? How and where am I walking? What does my walking say about what I really value? 
Humble reflection is not just about seeing our flaws, it's also about recognising our giftedness. And Paul in this passage talks about two different kinds of gifts. The gifts that God gives to us and the gifts that we are to one another. And Paul describes a healthy, thriving church as a body, each limb and organ dependent on one another. If we don't share our gifts, we deprive the body. If we reject others' gifts, we'll deprive the body. If we don't allow gifts to be given and received, we don't grow up. The body is unable to grow up. The body will remain a distorted reflection of the image that it's intended to reflect. We cannot reflect what we don't embody. Now, in music, because find it easy to relate to musical terms. <laughs> Harmony gives context to melody and, and enhances and holds up melody. A skilled harmony singer knows when to pull it back and let the melody sing solo, when to be subtle and when to go full Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> Similarly, a good musician knows their part. They know when to play, when to pump up volume, when to pull back. Music is at its best when every sound tech, instrument, vocalist is not just focused on what they are doing, but on the whole, not just their part, but the whole picture. Every person is gifted. Every person is a gift. We need to view our gifts and the gifts of others with realism. And that means neither elevating nor diminishing any one of them. Some role, roles might be more visible, but none are less valuable. Most of us don't notice our sound tips. Or Dave, down back there doing projection. Noticing them tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but we can't. We can't do what we do without them. They are such an important part of what we do. Some roles are less visible, but none are less valuable. Division occurs when we stop seeing and valuing one another. When we start thinking that the preacher preaching the message is more important than that person who notices the exhausted new mum slipping in late and bringing them coffee and sitting with them. Or if we think the charismatic youth leader who's so great at revving everybody up and, and uh, getting everyone into a, into a good mood and, and, and join in is more important than that quiet leader who faithfully drives around and picks up kids from all over the neighborhood week after week after week. Every one of us is made differently. We have different intellects, personalities and our skills are different. We are meant to be ourselves, not somebody else. And we need each other. We need every different gift to play its part. We cannot function as the body of Christ if we ignore or devalue or diminish some parts over others. 
Unity, as Paul envisions it here, is every person living into their unique giftedness and purpose, and those gifts being celebrated and valued. When we don't see our value, or when we elevate somebody else's gifts or call over our own, we wound the body. When we don't see somebody else's value, when we diminish someone else's gifts, or call it less important, we wound the body. And when the body is wounded, it's not healthy or whole, and it's not unified. It becomes a poor reflection. We are gifted and we are gifts given. Are you grateful for the gift of yourself, of others? What or who are the gifts you wish you could give back? The posture that Paul asks us to hold toward one another is shaped by humility and gentleness and patience. If we are to truly become Christ's body, we need to allow Christ to knit us together. A ligament is a fibrous connective tissue that connects bone to bone. That's not really a technical medical definition because I can't give you a technical medical definition. Layman's terms. But ligament is the, is the bit that connects the bones together. I can only bend my arm because of the tissue that's connecting the bones in my arm together. And if that tissue is diseased or damaged, then my bone becomes less effective, compromised, even useless. Our connection to one another is much greater than we sometimes want to remember or acknowledge. Our survival is dependent on one another and we are the body of Christ together and not so much on our own. As Christ shapes our vision, we learn to see each other as Christ sees us. We begin to love one another as Christ loves us. And we begin to become a community that is truly surrendered to one another. To love and be loved, serve and be served. I want to finish tonight by inviting you, as we did at the beginning, Take a moment to be still and look at your body and at your hands again. And as you do, I want to invite you to imagine Christ taking your hands in his. Christ looking into your eyes with love, smiling, and enjoying who you are and seeing you, really seeing you. 
lengthy workplace meditation from St. Teresa of Avila. Christ has no body but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks, compassion in this world. Yours are the feet with which he works to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks. Compassion in this world. Christ has no body now on earth but yours.